Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Don't Interrupt Me, Por Favor. This is a weekly show that we do um, on Radio Kingston and across the podcast Waves World. I'm here with Lisa Button and Guillermo Fesser. Lisa, ¿qué tal tú? Fíjate, está nevando aquí en Boston hoy. Estaba, estaba nevando aquí también, y, pero no estaba nevando donde está Guillermo Fesser. Guillermo Fesser is, our, is another co-host of ours. We are three people, and... Where Guillermo is, I don't think it's snowing because he's in the Philippines. And we're going to hear from Guillermo right now, and he's going to explain uh, why he's not able to join us live on the show today. Hola, Lisa. Hola, Nick. Un saludo cariñosísimo desde las Islas Filipinas, desde la isla de Mindanao, desde la ciudad de Marawi, desde el barrio de Papandayan, desde el barangay. Bueno, en definitiva desde el basurero donde estamos haciendo una película mi hermano Javier y yo para Acción contra el Hambre para intentar explicar a los niños de lo que llamamos el primer mundo lo que, lo que significa el hambre crónica lo que significa el hambre invisible que no se ve porque muchas veces pensamos que tener hambre es simplemente no tengo que comer pero tener hambre significa pobreza tener hambre significa no tener acceso a la educación tener hambre significa tener dañado tu sistema cognitivo y no ser capaz de defenderte en la vida como lo hacemos la mayoría de las personas y lo estoy haciendo en un sitio que es tan emocionante donde hay tanto amor, tanto cariño eh, es un mundo que podría ser el de Oliver Twist donde niños pequeños de 5 años, 6 años, 9 años trabajan diariamente en el basurero con las uñas escarbando para intentar encontrar los plásticos y los metales que luego van a vender por céntimos para ayudar a su familia, pero donde en los momentos de pausa hay sonrisas, hay cariño, hay abrazos. Ah, la felicidad surge en los sitios donde menos te los esperas y lo estamos comprobando. And to me, one of the important things that we're learning here is that uh, sometimes we go with a lens, with a zoom lens, with an 80 in our eyes, and so. Our life is the important thing, and the rest of the background and the foreground is blurred, so you don't see it. But when you do a wide lens, a 24, and that's the experience we're having right now, then you see the details of other people's lives, and then you learn that everybody, poor, rich, fat, and thin, has a biography as exciting as the biography of Gandhi or Obama or whoever you like. The thing is, most people don't have the opportunity of having somebody to listen to that biography and write about them. But when you have the opportunity to listen to those people and learn about them and know their lives, 
man, life is much more fun. And that's what we're doing here. We're having a lot of fun. Estamos pasándolo maravillosamente. Estamos aprendiendo tantas cosas. Es una maravilla. Estoy deseando volver a Estados Unidos. Uh, don't interrupt me, por favor, y poderlo contar allí en directo. Pero de momento os mando un saludo desde este barangay Papandayan en la isla de Mindanao. Y os digo que es súper interesante esas experiencias porque te ponen, eh, te hacen mm, hacerte preguntas que no te hubieras hecho de otra manera. Porque, por ejemplo, who, who told us that uh, dogs like to go and catch balls and catch sticks? And that's why humans throw sticks and balls to the dogs, because they like to do that and they like to retrieve and bring it back to you. Have you ever thought that maybe dogs think, oh my God, humans like to throw sticks, so why don't we go pick them up and bring it to them so they're happy throwing their sticks? That's what they like to do. Es maravilloso cambiar de vida, de perspectiva, para poder ver las cosas desde otro punto de vista. Anyways, me estoy enrollando mucho, así que adiós. Estamos en Don't Interrupt Me, por favor. It's a bilingual show. We speak in Spanish, we speak in English, and we talk about ordinary people or people who we think are ordinary who it turns out have extraordinary stories some of them have stories that make at least they make me think of of superhero um type stories and lisa uh you have been thinking a lot about superhero stories and what yeah yeah i have um Well, for a couple of reasons. Well, one thing, though, I want to I back up a minute and just say, I feel like on Don't Interrupt Me, Por Favor, we, we try to bring people, you know, uh, have conversations with people who share insights into their world. And what our very first show, we had Chef Jose Andres, who, as you know, uh, has uh, his nonprofit World Central Kitchen, feeds people who find themselves in emergency situations. So right now he's working his food magic in Colombia near the border of Venezuela to, to feed migrants coming over there. Um, so I think of that in kind of like a superhero sense in a way. Then we've also had, you know, Dr. Q, who performs brain surgery. He started out um, picking tomatoes as a migrant worker. That's kind of a superhero evolution um, that someone who met him when he was just a teenager might not have expected. And then last week we had Manuel Oliver, who is working day and night now to stop gun violence um, in honor of his son, Joaquin, who was, who was shot and killed. And um, I believe that you know, Manuel kind of told us he's, he's channeling Joaquin to, to, you know, make big change. So thinking about superheroes, thinking about um, interesting people who, who are in that world, and we'd, I'd like to introduce a guest we have on our show, Ricardo Padilla. And Ricardo, hi, Ricardo, are you there, coming to us from sí. California? Sí, buenos días. Muy buenos días, Gracias. Ricardo. Well, we're inviting you today because uh, you, you're the co-founder of Latino Comics Expo, and uh, we want to hear all about your story of, uh, of how you got involved with the comics world, but also just to discuss this question of, you know, the ordinary 
and a superhero, maybe some mythology, but I'd like to hear a little bit about uh, why you started the expo and what, what was what were people not getting from other kinds of comics expos? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for inviting me on the show. It's great to be on with you guys. And, uh, yeah, really excited. Uh, Latino Comics Expo, um, which now is the nation's largest gathering of Latino and Latina comic book creators, animators in the country. And we started off humbly in 2011. Uh, my co-founder and good friend, Javier Hernandez, He's a, a legendary independent comic book creator of El Muerto comic book. And in 2011, we started our, our, our humble expo. It, the first one we did was in San Francisco at the Cartoon Art Museum. We had about 10 artists and a couple hundred people came through and, and we were very happy. Last year, we were at the Museum of Latin American Art in Long Beach and we had about 80 artists participating from all over the country, Latin America, everywhere, and we had almost 3,500 attendees. So we see that every year we get a little bit bigger and a little bit better and, and that there's a an audience need and hunger for, you know, something different in comics, a little diversity, a little change of pace. And, you know, I always tell the story that comencé esta gran aventura because I was blessed to have, uh, you know, two children, those niños, and, you know, they were pretty hip kids, and I wanted to introduce them to comic books, y darles esa oportunidad que yo tuve when I was a child to be introduced to comics and love, you know, the joy of reading, but, you know, when I started taking them to, like, Comic-Con and different comic book shows, it became apparent that there was no... Latino representation. There was hardly any characters or superheroes, like you said, that that looked like us, that had our same color, that had our same tradiciones culturales. There was, you know, hardly anything. And I would, and my kids would throw it back to me. It was me to him, you know, where are the Aztec, you know, warriors you always told about us. You know, where are the Mayan princesses? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, they're smarty pants. They came out like the mom. They're very intelligent kids. <laughs> But, you know, they kind of would like, tell me, like, where is it, Dad? How come there's nothing that that looks like us? And that became my mission when they were small, is to look for artists that were doing, you know, culturally relevant stories, like you said, about our folklores or different, you know, heroes that we had in our culture. And you would find one here in the corner and there on the side. And, and I would meet them and I would say, you know, it's too bad that everybody's here at this comic book show trying to, you know, wait in line for Hunger Games or, you know, Walking Dead and nobody's over here with you guys. And after years of llorando and complaining, they finally said, <laughs> instead of complaining, why don't you do your own expo instead of, you know, crying about it. And in 2011, you know, I said, my friend, me and Javier, we started it. And now, eight years later, here we are still in La Lucha. Ricardo, soy, soy Nick Liber, otro co-host de Don't Interrupt Me, por favor. Thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, how many people do you expect this Friday at, at your at your Latino Comics Expo? Buena pregunta. <laughs> um, in the last couple of years, we've decided to take a different uh, tact, a different philosophy, because our first like five or six shows were L.A., San Francisco, Bay Area, L.A., and and we had great shows, but. 
we want to do something different because sometimes in those big, you know, grandes mercados, there's a little, you know, blase, blase attitude. And we said, let's go out and take the art, you know, to the people. Llevamos el arte a la gente. And, and last year we had an uh, opportunity to go to Brownsville, Texas, you know, right on the border. And we just saw all the little kids who, I mean, who had never seen anything like a Latino comic book or a Latino graphic novel. And, and their minds were blown. Nunca habían visto algo así en su vida. And a lot of them were saying, this is the biggest thing that's ever come to Brownsville, Texas. Um, and, and it was just amazing. And then, dígame. No, don't, don't interrupt me, por favor, Lisa. Lisa. No, so this year we're, we're in Modesto, California, which is Central Valley, farm worker community. And we just have really high expectations because this type of, you know, you know, community doesn't have access to the big comic cons, maybe don't have the family budgets to pay, you know, entrance. So we're, you know, very excited that, for example, Modesto Junior College and, and our good friend, Dr. Teresa Rojas, invited us this year. And, and we'll be able to, um, you know, offer a free admission show to encourage all families and working class people, fam- you know, kids, teenagers, everybody to be able to come and experience the show free of charge. So in these sueños, I'm thinking thousands of people are going to show up. And, you know, I'm going to keep to that until, you know, it happens, but I think it's going to be a real positive show. And plus, we have an amazing lineup of artists. I mean, I'm saying it's the Latinx Coachella because really we have so many stars, <laughs> so many award winners that, you know, people, wherever you are in America, you need to come to Modesto on, on March 15th and 16th. And now you can, tell, and now you can tell your <laughs> now you can tell your kids, Ricardo, see, I told you now you have to get in line, but it, it, it this time it's really going to be worth it. We're gonna take a we're gonna take a brief a quick break and we're gonna be back with you soon and hear more about the uh, about your show. Back at Don't Interrupt Me, Por Favor. We're a weekly show in Spanish and English. We go back and forth between the two languages. Lisa Button, Guillermo Fesser, Nick Leiber are your co-hosts. And we're here today and we're talking with the Latino Comics Expo, Ricardo Padilla. And also joining us is another superhero whose name is Edgardo Miranda Rodriguez. He, um, re- Edgar- Edgardo, can you hear me? Are you are you with us right now? Seguro que yes. Ah, muy bien. Edgardo is a graphic novelist. He's the creator of the hit series La Borenqueña, and he's the founder and creative director of the Somos Arte Studio in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, um, not too far from a lot of amazing stuff happening in New York City and and really all over the world. Um, thank you for joining us, Edgardo, today on this snowy Sunday. Um, I wanted to, to start off by 
asking you um, who La Borinquena is for people who might not be familiar with what you've created. So La Borinquena is an original character that I created about three years ago now. Okay. And it was a response to the humanitarian crisis affecting Puerto Rico due to the overwhelming debt that the island had amassed, a debt that had accumulated pretty much over the last uh, 101 years that the island continued to be a colony of the United States. Um, and um, for for decades, the island has constantly been borrowing and borrowing and borrowing from, from the United States, and it's put it in a position of um, constant dependency, as, uh, as most notably most colonies are. Uh, and so I decided I wanted to create a comic book character that would help bring light to these issues, in addition to the real effects of climate change, um, because many scientists for for years were saying that Puerto Rico was long overdue for a natural disaster. I mean, the, the actual word huracán comes from Puerto Rico, the word that the Tainos used to describe the um, the god of uh, the, the storms, huracán. So I created this character, and I thought to myself, well, it, uh, esta, esta, esta chica tiene que ser un joven, un estudiante que está estudiando acá en los Estados Unidos para darle la oportunidad del de quien va a estar leyendo los libros, ¿verdad? Este, a, a entender el mundo de Puerto Rico y el mundo afectando la isla este, por los ojos de un estudiante. And the best way to do that was to actually uh, create a, a superhero. In the U.S., I think across the United States, and, and if not even the world, um, people are overwhelmingly um, consuming superhero culture via films, video games, serials, everything. And so I thought to myself, bueno, the best way to discuss um, the humanitarian crisis in Puerto Rico is to create a superhero. And here she was. Um, her name is Marisol Rios de la Luz. She's a college student attending Tulum University. Entonces, un semestre decide ir a Puerto Rico para continuar su, su tesis. And while she's at the University of Puerto Rico, um, she's exploring the um, the island and um, developing and, and acquiring specimens that she's an earth and, and an environmental um, sciences student. And so by um, engaging uh, the character directly with the island, directly with themes around science and directly with themes around um, social justice, it allowed me the platform to do these conversations like I'm doing with you today. And she's an original character that I created uh, three years ago. Her first book debuted December of 2016. Um, it's been uh, doing very well, selling um, um, upwards of 10,000 units. And it's a completely independent book that's gone 100% um, mainstream. And it brought the attention of DC Comics, who recently um, collaborated to allow me to use their characters. And when those characters teamed up with La Barriqueña, bueno, La Barriqueña lo trajo todo. A Puerto Rico por la primera vez, which is something of a, an amazing feat on through storytelling method because in the 80 years of the canon of these DC superheroes, never once had Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, or many other heroes had ever been written visiting Puerto Rico ever. And through the work and that I've been able to do, she was there in time for uh, these books the hurricane. close to a quarter of a million dollars. Um, and, and then, you know, y seguimos. So, beautiful young superhero that I created to help raise awareness to Puerto Rico. And in addition to that, she's uh, an Afro-Puerto Ricana, because I wanted to also bring light to the beauty and the diversity that it is to be Puerto Ricano. Yeah. Hola, Edgardo. I just, this is Ricardo. I just wanted to say that uh, after years of trying to connect with you, it's kind of good to finally meet you on this program. So <laughs> it's un placer conocerte, hermano. And I just wanted to briefly intersect that 
La Borinquena is a beautiful comic, very exciting. Like I said, there's that great social justice part of it, and I want to say recommend it to all the children out there, all the adults out there to check it out. And that's a good example of why we we started our Latino Comics Expo. There's so many great historias in nuestra cultura, so many writers, so many creative artists that, you know, it's tiempo that we get our stories out there, nuestras historias, nuestros artistas, you know, to put a shine, a light on them. And that's why we created the Expo, and that's why we're always going to support artistas como Edgardo. Gracias, gracias, gracias. La, la Borinquena. Uh, you la, know, we're part of the uh, American experience and American um, tapestry, right? And our stories are a part of uh, a culture that, Everyone should read. Oftentimes, people ask me, was La Borinquena created strictly for the Puerto Rican community? And I was like, no. ¿Qué ridículo es eso? Like, well, el Capitán América solo lo hicieron para Rubio. You know, it's a, <laughs> that's not the case. You know, so it's, it's often the, the misperception that when una persona de color desarrolla un personaje que solamente lo está desarrollando para, para su familia. And that's not the case. We create and we write stories that have a human interest angle and 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 everyone should be able to see themselves in our characters. Now, obviously, it's important for us to have representation, but it's also important for people to see themselves in our stories, just like we always continue to see ourselves in everyone's um, stories. I think as, as people of color, we're the masters of doing that, right, of looking at all these stories that don't even look anything like us or sound anything like us, but still say, ah, you may be able to say, I totally see uh -huh. myself in that one, you and know? Do you think that's why um, Miles Morales from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse was so incredibly popular? Well, certainly. I mean, it has a lot to do with the the, uh, the production. Um, I think um, Phil Lord, quien es cubano, he's a criollo in Miami, and Peter Ramsey, who's that first American, those having those people a part of the, the room in terms of the writing, directing of the film was very key because... On close to the 10 years that Marvel has had this character as a comic book, they never actually had um, people of color writing and producing the stories. So they always kept missing the mark, believe it or not. Este, and, and esos libros nunca se escuchaba Miles Morales hablándole a, a su mamá en español. Nunca. And it took oh, one movie to finally have him dancing through the streets of, of, of Brooklyn, listening to reggaeton, eating, you know, checking on, on his mom's um, arroz con gandules and y pidiéndole la bendición, you know, and that, and, that, and that brief little moment, we finally got a, a, a like an, an amazing affirmation, and, and that's, that's why um, that movie has, has resonated um, so well. Even when, um, when Phil Lord uh, accepted the, the Oscar, that's one of the key things he said, is like, you know, when children can finally see themselves on screen and say, look, they're speaking Spanish just like me. That's, that's so important. And especially to see that in a mainstream movie. No, it's, it's cierto. And, uh, everybody really loved that part of uh, the Spider-Verse. And I have to admit, after me, salieron those little lagrimitas when he was talking to his mom in Spanish. And it just shows la the hambre, the hunger that our community has uh, for representation. And, and like I said, that's really what the Latino Comics Expo is all about is to give voice to all these artists because there is such a hunger, you know, we're the futuro and there's such a need for us to be representative in the narrative of this country. Like Edgardo says, is comic books, comic strip is such an American thing. And just the fact that we participate, nos encanta, we love it shows just how American, how part, you know, of the American fabric, you know, we truly are, pero 
But, and I believe like, people, people it, need to understand that there's, there's so many Latino artists out there that, you know, they deserve the attention as well. And, uh, you know, especially yeah. for young people, sometimes it's hard for them to get into reading. And, and we always pitch comic books, too, as a bridge to literacy. But especially in our community, we need to see ourselves in the stories. We need to see ourselves yeah. in the narrative. And, and comic books, graphic novels, zines, it can be an important part of that. But in, in realidad, no te crea, you know, don't, don't get it twisted. Just because out of like the hour and a half that Spider-Man's on the screen, we get like <laughs> two to three minutes of some like la, la, Latina, Latina exchange. It's un antojito. That's all that is. That's not, that's not even a, a full like appetizer. That's like somebody just literally brought out a little empanadilla and you took a nibble of the corner. And you didn't even get to no, take it. Me sacó las lágrimas. Me sacó las lágrimas. Sí, sí. Pero te te salieron las lágrimas, pero ni ni la lágrima llegar al cachete porque the rest of the movie no no tuvo nada que ver con 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 el borico ni latino. You know what I mean? So, and, and un, un evento como lo que está haciendo Ricardo para mí es un buffet. You know what I mean? Ah, ah, es un buffet. Ah, vamos a comer la enchilada, vamos a comer un mofongo, vamos vamos a tomarme un, el cabecito y cuando termine con eso me voy a comer un, un, un plato lleno de sancocho. You know, it's like that. That's that's what we need more. You know, it's like it's like we well, just don't need Well, let me let me interrupt you both. Let me interrupt you both to ask a question. Um, este mes de marzo es mes de la historia de la mujer y viernes fue el día de la mujer. Uh, uh, Dia Internacional de la Mujer, and we're in the Me Too era. Um, for listeners who don't know about the powerful role of, of women in Latina comics and Latinx comics and women creators in Latina comics, what can the two of you share with us? Um, why don't we start with you, Ricardo? Yeah, that's. Eso ha sido una de las cosas más impresionantes of doing our Latino Comics Expo for eight years because. You know, we've been noticing trends and cosas que han pasado. Um, you know, first of all, as a Latino show, even in our first year, we realized that we had to involve la mujer. If not, you know, <laughs> nosotros sabemos lo que pasamos y tratamos de ignorar a la mujer latina. So from year one, you know, because we have panels and workshops, uh, you know, every year as well. And one of our most popular panels is the Latina Power Panel that we have every year at the Expo with all the leading Latina artists and writers, se juntan y hablan acerca de las temas que afecten a las mujeres en la comunidad creativa. So that's number one. But also we've noticed, like I told you, our first year we had about 10 artists. Last year we had over 80 artists participating, and almost 50% of them were, were Latinas. And there's a lot of Latinas working in comics, animation, zines, especially the zine culture, the nails expresan sus vidas y sus emociones y you know women latina women for sure are are participando in the whole comic book culture and it's and plus we're going to have like distinguished writers like uh, Isabel Quintero who did that amazing graphic novel on the the life of Mexican photographer Graciela Iturbide uh Kathy Camper's coming down she's the writer of low riders in space so a lot of women working in the industry and a lot of uh, Latina independents will be there as well. And this, that's been an amazing thing to see over the years is tanta, uh, you know, artista Latina, you know, putting their work out there. It's been great. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, but the, I mean, I think um, one of the key things to note is that in mainstream media, when you're looking at mainstream publishers like Marvel and DC, overwhelmingly that industry is dominated by white men. And uh, my, the, the few people of color that you do see overwhelmingly tend to be men as well. Um, but there are a few amazing like artists that have been coming out recently. You have um, writer um, Gabby Rivera, who had a one-year run uh, drawing, uh, I mean, quería, este, writing um, America Chavez for Marvel. Uh, you have Vita Ayala, who's written for Lion Forge. You have artist este, Nicole Virella, who's drawn everything from Deadpool to... Um, Star Wars for Marvel, um, Vanessa Rey, who's um, illustrated at the Scarlet Witch. So you do have uh, a, a lot of Latinas um, that are slowly trying to work their way in, in energy, but it's, it's unfortunately it's an uphill climb. And I, what I try to do with my work via um, my studio Somos Alte in La Borinquena, the comic series, is I try to bring in as many women as I can find to be a part of the project, including even uh, mentoring. Eso es parte de nuestra cultura, el padrino. So I try to do my part by mentoring a young artist, Sabrina Sintron, and giving her her first published work uh, under my series, as well as the anthology that I produced that um, helped me raise money for Puerto Rico, uh, Reconstruction. One of the key things I did with that book was make sure that, um, and it had close to 200 contributors, I made sure that um, over half of those contributors were women, because I wanted to do my part to um, feed into the um, content that's being distributed into this culture that's overwhelmingly done by men and, and make sure that this book had a larger um, in, impact from women. There's a moment in... And authors. Edgardo, forgive me for interrupting you on, on Don't Interrupt Me, Por Favor, but there's a moment I read, I read the Reconstruction book that you both r- produced some of and also compiled all of these different people you're talking... Some of these different people you're talking about. There was a moment in it that was so great just this sort of ordinary story of someone going for five, six months without power and then finally getting the power back on and taking a shower and thinking like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm taking a hot shower and the kids can watch Netflix and like life is good again. It's just it's a very simple, elegant strip. So, so and, and gorgeous looking. Speaking of gorgeous looking, um, La, La Born Kenya, just describe her for readers. Like, what is she, what is she what does she look like? For I mean, we're on the radio, or we're on we're on a podcast, we're on all of the above. But what does she look like? Like, what do you see when what what goes through your mind? And you know, you you yourself were mentored by by someone. Is there any like connection between who you yeah. were mentored by and this and this and this superhero? I've been mentored by incredibly um, powerful women my entire life. I was raised by a single mother to start with. I. I never actually had the presence of a, of a male figure as a father figure in my life, and but that was more than made up with by the women who shaped me to become the man I am. Um, one of my mentors is my older cousin Lillian de Jesus, who's the leading um, educational reformist in the United States, part of this initiative called Narrative Four. 
um, my um, Madrina Iris Morales, who is a celebrated attorney, but also activist since the um, late 1960s, that's being an original member of the Young Lords Party, um, culture activist and educator, Dr. Marta Moreno-Vega, who founded El Museo del Barrio in New York City and recently started an organization in Loisa, Puerto Rico, called El Corredor Afro, who is actually one of the recipients of our La Borinquena grants, uh, so that she can continue her work in um, Puerto Rico to help elevate and, and, and raise awareness around Afro-Puerto Rican heritage. So La Borinquena herself um, is, is a negrita. She's a, an Afro-Boricua uh, who is um, athletically built. Uh, think of uh, the Puerto Rican volleyball team in terms of um, the, the body that she has, but her hair is thick, curly, dark brown. Her, her complexion is a nice, dark, beautiful, rich, dark brown as well. Um, and, I want, and I intentionally decided to create her as an Afro-Latinx character because oftentimes in mainstream media, we see an, uh, an overwhelming underrepresentation about the true diversity of uh, what it is to look like uh, a Latin person. And even as Latinos ourselves, we perpetuate that negativity of colorism by only casting and putting um, light complexion European looking Latinos in front of the camera. And the only time we see um, darker complexion um, talent on the screen is when they're literally the, the, the criada, the chofer, el, el jalinero. And, and, and it's like that's, that's such a, a misrepresentation of our heritage. When you look at Puerto Rico, the public school education system was actually created by Rafael Cordero, an Afro-Puerto Rican. When you look at black history in the United States, the, the, the most comprehensive center in, in, in the United States is in Harlem, the Schomburg Research Center for Black History and Culture. That's named after Arturo, Arturo Schomburg, an Afro-Puerto Rican from my family's hometown of Santurce. So for, for the character, it was important for her to um, represent not only the, the, the rich diversity of being Puerto Rican, but on, on the flip side of it, also wanted to promote um, um, health, healthy body image. Oftentimes in comic books, women are visually represented in a very sensational, over-sexualized way. And that's de acuerdo, not what I wanted de acuerdo. to do with this character. I didn't want her drawn with a, with a size negative zero waist or with disproportionate curves. If anything, it was the opposite. I wanted her to have a much more realistic um, body. Um, she's a character that's, that's around 5'6". She's not over 6 feet tall. She has like a size 10 waist, but she has an athletic body. And then she also has, has health issues. She deals with asthma. And I, dealt, I, I wrote that into the story um, and intentionally porque acá en Nueva York, en, en, el, en, el, en el barrio donde vivo yo, en los sures de Williamsburg, there's such an incredibly high percentage of, of children that are born with asthma as there are in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico has, has one of the highest um, rates of asthma amongst children in, 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 uh, in the United States. So that's a lot of what I added to give the character a lot much, a more relatable approach to her. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Edgardo, we have to take a, a quick break and then we're going to come back. And when we come back, I want to ask you about a phone call that you got from someone named Rosario Dawson. On Don't Interrupt Me, Por Favor. We're talking to Edgardo Mirando Rodriguez and Ricardo Padilla. Edgardo, I had just um, interrupted myself 
because we had to take a quick break. Uh, and I was asking you about a phone call that you got from Rosario Dawson. And I was asking you this because you were telling us about la, your, your, the character and series you created, La Born in Kenya. Tell me what happened when Rosario Dawson called you. Well, uh, Rosario, I think like many other Puertorriqueños um, after um, Hurricane Maria, were doing their best to try to figure out ways to, to reconnect with, with Puerto Rico. And I think that gave me a lot more attention than I anticipated or even could have predicted. And uh, I had worked with her uncle before. Um, he actually illustrated one of the covers of my book, but I never actually spoke directly to uh, Rosario. And her uncle at one point expressed an interest of like collaborating with her to do a story for the anthology Reconstruction. And then um, one day uh, I, get, I just get a call. And I, I you know, didn't recognize the number of people. said it was like somewhere from L.A. And I answered the phone and she's like, hi, this is Rosario. What's up? How you doing? And all this. And I was kind of like, huh? It was a very surreal moment because I think we had just finished watching uh, The Defenders on Netflix, my wife and I. And I was like, oye, pero que casualidad, que lo que está pasando aquí, you know? And then yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm trying to be all cool. Hey, what's up, Rosario? <laughs> and then she's like, I need to get a La Borinquena costume. And I was like, que, que? She's like, yeah, I want to dress up like La Borinquena for Halloween. And Halloween was tomorrow. Like, that's, that's how soon she got in touch with me. And, I'm, and I, I was like telling her, I was like, uh, mira, we don't have a lot of Kenya costume. This is a brand new character. We, we're not like, you know, tricked out like Marvel that you could just go to like Target and pick it up off the rack. And I, but oh, I just put like my, my, my mind to it. Y le, le, le presenté una, una, una mujer en, en Los Angeles que diseña este vestido. And in less than like a, a few hours, like she was dressed up like La Kenya. And then we receive a, a FaceTime call on my wife Kyung's phone. My wife Kyung and I look at each other like, and I tell her, mira, that's, esa la, that's some Rosario's number. And we pick up the call, and Rosario's like running around <laughs> in the um, designer studio with her La Kenya costume, with her cape flapping behind her going, I love it! <laughs> and we're looking at, at Rosario on this video, and we're looking at each other, and this is like... This isn't happening. This is so bizarre right now. I can't believe this is actually happening. Oh, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Yeah, I'll 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 check you guys uh, the photo of her. It's 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 like a screen grab, literally from the um at the from the video. And then and then like I think a uh, rato she like posts on her Instagram stories. Um, her and her daughter Isabel like going through a, a parade in uh, in Los Angeles, and she's dressed up in La Kenya and she's like, running up and down. Uh, uh, the the street and whatever what all the other parade goers and she's like having a blast you know and I think what it is mostly for her is that particularly uh, Rosario as an Afro um, Latina and I, who identified a lot with her with her black heritage it was important for her to see a hero that only not only connected her directly to La Isla but also celebrated her melanin celebrated her her rich and personal um, diversity as a as a as an Afro Latina. Going and with her daughter, that's so cool. Yeah, it was a very, very beautiful moment. Yeah, yeah. Going from going from this 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 celebrity and this you know be, being a superhero, um, and then you, you do that obviously, and you you make that happen. But you also sort of ground it in reality, and and you have a grants program that you set up, um, and the idea is to do to do what exactly with it. To, can well, you can you describe? The idea, came, yeah. the idea came from my wife. My wife Kyung and I we operate uh, Laborin Kenya together. It's a okay. small publishing company that we have, and we literally just put out our book 
biannually. And when we had the opportunity to develop this anthology with uh, superheroes from DC's catalog, we never anticipated, I personally never anticipated the book to do as well as it did. El, el año pasado, el libro salió número uno en Amazon por como tres o cuatro meses. Um, and it literally started raising tens of thousands and over a few hundred thousands of dollars for us. And at that point, Kyung stepped up and she was like, we're raising so much awareness now for Puerto Rico because of this book that we need to do something that is significantly more impactful than just writing someone a check. And I, she said, we need to create our own grant program. And we need to find organizations on the island that oftentimes are completely overlooked and give them these awards directly. And I told her, that's going to be a lot of work because we have to do a lot of vetting and we have to do a lot of interviewing. And then she responded, she's like, the amount of work that people are doing in Puerto Rico, rebuilding the island after Hurricane Maria, is, is way more intense than whatever we would do to make this project a reality. And so she took the lead. She put together a committee. She collaborated with my dear friend, Nicole Rodriguez, who provided her the, um, the foundation to, do, to write and, and distribute all of the applications. And last fall, we went to Puerto Rico on the 150th anniversary of El Grito de Lares, which is the only uh, staged uprising against the Spanish Empire in Puerto Rico. And although Puerto Rico is not an independent nation, we felt symbolically it was an opportunity to um, celebrate our autonomy as Puerto Ricanos to decide how we want to support one another. We had that freedom. And so with, with Kim's leadership, we put together this program and we gave away nine, $10,000 grants to organizations across the entire island. Organizations that, and she even created the criteria. She said, look, using La Borinquena as our um, measure, let's find programs that celebrate women, that provide services for women's health, that provide educational programs for children, that do activism towards environmental justice, that create programs that celebrate and raise awareness around Puerto Rico's Afro heritage. And that's exactly what we did. And with the continued success of the book, and the book continues to sell well for us, we decided to do another round of grants. And we just announced it recently on our social media accounts. And we're like inviting organizations to nominate um, themselves or nominate other organizations so that they can receive an application from us. And we'll go through the entire process again of finding the most um, qualified applicants. And then we're going to be returning later this year. We'll announce when we'll be returning to Puerto Rico to actually do a second uh, award ceremony and distribute these grants. And, and I think lo, lo, lo que estamos tratando de hacer verdaderamente con este proyecto es afirmar lo, lo que es ser superhéroe y reconocer la, la superpotencial en nosotros. You know, oftentimes we, we find um, um, escapism enjoyable when we watch these superheroes on the screen or, or when we flip through the pages of comic books. But we also have to take a moment to celebrate the real hero that exists every no, day. Right. Oftentimes, don't get to any kind of attention because they're not really right. attached to it. You know? No, you're right, Edgardo. That's that's why we respect te damos todas las felicidades on your project. And out here on the West Coast, we definitely te apoyamos, and we're like proud of Good everything that's been going on. And it, and it kind of shows that you know people say comics, you know, da da da. It's not art it's not this and that but i think just in este tiempo ahorita you know all the artists the independent artists doing you know comics graphic novels zines acerca de su cultura acerca de su you know vidas latinas it's just such an amazing time right now 
con todo lo que está pasando. I mean, our motto too is kind of like, you know, representation is resistance. So, yeah. todas estas historias, all these representations, it's having an effect on the larger culture. So, no me gusta cuando people say, oh, it's just comics or it's just this. It can have a really strong effect on the cultura. And that's why I'm really proud of our expo. I put it up to any convention. I mean, the level of talent that we have, even though we have, you know, well-known artists like Gilbert and Jaime Hernandez of Love It Rock is showing up. Just all the independent stories, todas las vidas, todas las historias. It's an important time right now, so that's why I'm I'm really proud of Edgardo and all the work he's doing because it shows the power of Latino Ricardo, comics. Right you, now. Ricardo, you you interact with have interacted with thousands of um, super fans and probably just people new to to the whole comics world. Um, in in your view, are people coming? Do you find them coming for an escape? Do you find them coming to for inspiration? Um, what do you, what do you think about that? Um, well, you know, I always joke around cause you know, the, I would say the teenagers, 15 to 35, you know, they're like hooked on the whole Marvel DC universe. It's tough, you know, star Wars, it's kind of tough to, you know, they come in cause you know, it's kind of cool. Some of the art, but yo siempre digo los, those market shows that we really have on our grip are, are the viejitos. I always love to see the older people with tears in their eyes come in and say, I always dreamed that there would be a Latino comics. I always dreamed that there'd be a story about Aztecs or, or Caribbean or Afro, you know, so I always love the older people that come in and then the little kids, the little yeah. elementary school kids with their eyes just bulging open saying, Oh my God, we've never seen anything like La Borinquena or we've never seen anything like an Aztec zombie, you know, just, the little kids and the viejitos we have because the ones that have never seen anything like this before and then the ones that always dreamed that, you know, they would yeah. be represented in something so beautiful and so American like comic book art. Yeah, and I, I can echo what, what Ricardo was saying because when I do various appearances at university, museums, and comic cons um, while I'm on tour visiting um, the, the country coast to coast, I get, I get all... Um, non-traditional markets for my work. I get children, overwhelmingly little girls that come to the table because when you come to these events, oftentimes the content that you see, even even then, is still male-dominated. So I tend to literally be one of the only few um, producers of, of content that actually has a superhero that's a woman. Uh, and so children are coming up to me, little girls are like, Mami, mira, yo quiero esta que se parece a mí, tiene el pelo rizo como yo. And women overwhelmingly support my work. Women will come to my table and will be like, mira, dame cinco copias, uno para mí, uno para mami, uno para mi hermano, uno para mi prima, y, y dame dos más. Yo no sé para quién son, pero dame los dos y fírmalo como quiera. And, <laughs> and I think my book is probably the most coveted books for moms. Porque siempre viene un tipo a la mesa... Y, y dan el phone, mira mami, lo encontré, sí, el, sí, el tipo que hace la borinqueña, ¿cuántos libros tú quieres? No, no, tienen este y tienen esto, ¿tú lo quieres? Todo, ay Dios mío, me va a romper la, el banco, and, and it's like, and it's real, and it's kind of like what Ricardo was saying, because it's, it's like, people really want to see themselves, and they want to be here to see themselves. Yeah, it's dope to be able to go back to our, to, to our motherland and reconnect with our heritage and our culture, Pero caramba, it's kind of cool to just get in the car and just drive to a store, drive to an event, and feel inspired in the same way that you feel inspired when you leave a movie theater after watching Captain Marvel. It's like we should be able to and another reality, 
We should be able mm-hmm. to see the maravilla in ourselves, you know? And another reality, too, is that unfortunately in, in Latino communities, neglected, underserved communities, there is a high dropout rate. And, you know, there's a lot of people in our comunidad that don't really get into the enjoyment and the pleasure of reading. And a lot mm-hmm. of studies say that if the kids don't start that love of reading by the time they're eight, nine years old, they never get it. So it's important to tener estas historias that they, those niños, they can see themselves in the narrative. They can see themselves part of the storyline. That will hit, hook a child into reading. And we need that right now in our comunidad. We need mm-hmm. artists like Edgardo putting out material that will interest kids and estudiando and leyendo and loving their cultura, loving themselves. So that's why it's bigger than comics. It's, it's una cosa, you know, bella and linda that we need to... One you know, thing, one thing I, I want to ask both of you about is to talk about going back and forth between English and Spanish. That happens in, in comic books. That happens in graphic novels. Is it, is it something that's happening in your own lives and that you're trying to make happen in either the work that you create or the work that you're displaying? Is it happening? Is it happening more? Is it like a thing now? Or is it like we just at the very early stages of this sort of going back and forth in terms of Spanish and English? I think in mainstream media, what you saw in um, Spider-Verse was the first time we've ever seen Spanish spoken and it wasn't subtitled. And that was a deliberate um, decision that the directors and, and the writers decided to do for that movie. And then before that movie came out with my, my work, La Borinquena, I deliberately decided to have the characters code switch between Spanish and English. If one person is speaking in English, la respuesta sale en español. And I did that organically because we don't walk through life with these magical like subtitles flying out of our chest <laughs> as we're speaking, you know, and... Oftentimes, particularly when I when I hago los libros, I intentionally make sure that when I do code switch into Spanish, it's not going to substantially take away from the the storyline. Pero a la misma vez, we live in an era que si tú no entiendes algo, está buscando algo, saca tu teléfono and just Google it immediately. In fact, like some search engines are so um, adept that you can literally take a picture of text and it will translate it for you right then and there. So we live in a completely different age right now where it's, it, it's very Star Trek-y. We're like a few like devices away from having a universal translator uh, on, a, on a, in our back pocket, and para mí importante. But so it's new. It's not something that it's like changing. I think it it takes people like myself, like like Phil Lord, uh, who worked on Spider Verse, um, to como se dice intentionally and aggressively put it in, in, into the work because mainstream Hollywood won't understand it, won't look for it. Mainstream publishers won't understand it and look for it. I still get from um, libraries, they, they want me to do the whole book in Spanish. And they ask, yeah. when am I going to do the whole book in Spanish? And I'm like, mira, I'm still trying to raise money to do a third book. Que se yo para tener edición de la primera, del primer libro. But no. for me, it's like my wife, she said it like, um, frankly, she said, the honest truth is, she said, if you take La Boringuena and you make it an all Spanish book, you completely take away its power because the power of that book is that it's really celebrating the, the diaspora of being Puerto Riqueño because there, there are three million Puerto Riqueños on the island, pero somos seis billones acá en los Estados Unidos. And we're constantly code switching between English and Spanish. So it gives you a real experience of what it is to be Puerto Riqueño in Chicago, in Los Angeles, in Nueva York, and in San Juan. Yeah, and the thing we noticed well, too is that there's, it's kind of like a golden age right now of, of Latino comics, of Latino lit experience and 
culture being written down that people are, are están regresando más a la cultura. Like the thing I'm most surprised at our expo is there's there'll be like these really young young artistas that will be totally into like Aztec mythology and Mayan history, but be really like well researched and accurate and and they're speaking Nahuatl or they're speaking Quechua. I mean, really, llevándolo a un nuevo nivel, you know, that our generation maybe didn't have or older genera- generations didn't have. And more people want to, you know, speak Spanish and, and learn Spanish and stuff like that. So it's kind of like a golden age of, like, people yeah. trying to get back to their cultura as well. That's a, a great uh, or a lead into my last question, which is what do you see as the future of the Expo uh, for Ricardo and for Ricardo, if there's time, also what what about the future for Latinx creators in mainstream comics? Uh, I'll, 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 I'll answer for Ricardo. I'll answer for Ricardo. I think the future for the Latino Expo is for it to become a national event. Um, you yeah. have a, you have events like the San Diego Comic Con that started in in California and and have actually become a franchise that go across the United States. I think what we need to recognize with the work that Ricardo is doing is to give him the attention and support that he needs so that he can take this event on a national level so that it isn't just in Los Angeles and it isn't just in California and in Texas, but it comes to Chicago and it comes to La Florida and it comes to Nueva York and it comes to Philadelphia and it comes to all the different cities across the United States where they did the, the, the incredibly hungry market uh, of Latinos and, and, and people who love Latin culture to really be a part of it. Because what I see on the East Coast, which is really thriving, is the black comic book scene. And because there isn't a Latino comic book expo in, in, on the East Coast, I'm constantly invited to the black comic book expos, which are great for me because I get to engage with other people of color. Um, but there's, there's, there's a void. There's definitely a void there. And I think what Ricardo is doing is like he literally got his hand on the pulse of what's coming next. And his, his work with this, with this event is not only an affirmation of this movement, but it's just the beginning thank, of the work that needs to happen. Thank you, Edgardo, so much. Thank you, Ricardo, so much. Thank you, Lisa Button, Guillermo Fesser, Radio Kingston. We're going we're gonna to see you next week. Don't interrupt me, por favor. And uh, it's, been, it's been a great show. Thank you for letting us read the pulse and hear the pulse of, of what's going on. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.